You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants podcast. Bob Papa along with Carl Banks. So glad that you can join us and we are back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron. Teams are back for another football season. Bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. New updated site, interface, more odds, props, you name it. Bet online continues to be the numero uno source for everything football. And if you use the com- promo code believe, B L E A V, you're going to receive your bonus. You know what that bonus is? That bonus is 50% off the welcome bonus on your first deposit. You name the sport, they got it for you. Bet online, check it out. Carl, here we go. Uh, You know, here's the thing. The Giants are 2-0 when I have a Golf Channel golf event immediately following a Giants game. The Giants played in New Orleans. I had to get to... Uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas for the Blessings Collegiate Invitational. Giants beat Carolina. I got a hightail it to the airport. Come here to Atlanta for the Eastlake Cup. They need to schedule more college golf. <laughs> well, whatever works for the Giants, man, I'm sure the juju, the mojo, the lucky charms, the rabbit's foot, the four leaf clover, you name it. The golf, college golf, whatever does the Max trick. not being at the game. Oh, that's going to hurt Max bad, man. Max got to show up and they get a victory. <laughs> you heard that story, right? I told yeah. you. Yeah. Well, the Giants, yeah. I, I predicted the Giants would win because my son, Max, who's only six and a half, in the last three years, counting preseason games, whatever games he's gone to, the Giants have lost. And he had, listen, he was double fisted with birthday parties on Sunday. He had to go, couldn't miss him. And the first game this year that he misses preseason, regular season, boom, Giants win. And as our, our old producer for Giants first and 10, Dan Colony said to me on the field or texted me after the game, he's like, could you please book Max for like 10 more birthday parties before this season's <laughs> over? <laughs> well, I'm sure the parents at the birthday parties were probably a little fed up with Max because he wasn't enjoying the festivities. He was probably saying, you got a score? Hey, excuse me, ma'am. Do you have a score? You got a score? <laughs> How are the Giants doing? You got a score? I think he was busy climbing rocks and uh, rock wall climbing and playing in a park at the first birthday party. He wasn't too concerned. All right, so give me – look, you got stuff to get off your chest for this week? Yeah, man, I, I do. Um, and this is uh, – This is a tough one because I got a lot of messages after the game and today that was so disappointing from some Giants fans or those who profess to be Giants fans. And it was disappointing, but I don't blame them. It's just a product of what they consume. Because they, boy, because they won and they're Congratulations, you beat a bad team. This season is a wash. Why should I root for this team? I'm looking forward to a high draft pick. 
And I'm okay. saying, how can you, and, and listen, I know fandom is an emotional connection and the Giants fans for many years have been on an emotional roller coaster, more lows than highs. But when when you spend two, three Sundays in a row just bashing the team and what they are not doing, it's worth. <laughs> it's really worth at least acknowledging and congratulating and being happy that they did something that should be pleasing to a fan. And so this whole emotional roller coaster that they're on is a product of what they consume because without fail, and it's the new economic model of sports TV, is to come right on and talk about who should lose their job, talk about uh, who's not producing, whose fault it is. And as a fan of your team, you should be a little more connected to things like optimism. You've gotta, you gotta kind of part the dark cloud and see some of the positives when your team does something positive. It's, it's you know, get into your happy place for at least a week, right? You just complained endlessly and you fired everybody and because things didn't go well. Now things go well and you say, I don't want it to go well because I want to pick. Well, here's a newsflash also for those select fans who choose to stay in the negative box. A top pick doesn't guarantee you anything. There no, teams look, that go ahead. How many top picks has they had over the last five years? And they still there suck? you go. And but that is universal around the league. There are a lot of teams with good picks that never get better. So when your team has a good game and all the players, and and, and I'm gonna encourage everyone who tweeted me to go back and look at their draft day tweets and their pre-draft tweets. And you got a guy like Ojolari, who is off to a great start as a rookie. So five sacks. Why not celebrate that? Because that's exactly what you projected, um, you were optimistic about in April, in May, and in June. So celebrate that, folks. It's a it's a week-to-week proposition in the NFL. And you made an excellent point when we were on air, is that the schedule you see on paper is not necessarily the team you're going to play when that date comes around. Health is an issue. Your team could get healthy and the other teams could get worse. So you look at the schedule and you say loss, 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 loss. Ugh. But all of a sudden you come in it's and like keep Mike players. Like Mike and the Mad missing. Dog from like 10 years ago. Win, yeah. loss, win, loss. It's not who you, you play. It's know. when you play them. It's when you play them. So enjoy a moment of 
success for your team. And if nothing else, enjoy the fact that players who you want to do well are actually doing well now, right? So you call out Leonard Williams for what he's not. You call out Dexter Lawrence for what he's not. I'll tell you what they are. They're very disruptive these last few games. Two. They stacked one. They stacked another good game on top of it. That's all you can ask for. As a function of that, linebackers seem to get it. They played better yesterday. Um, Your cornerbacks played better yesterday. The defensive play calling got everybody on the same page. No one was exposed for what they couldn't do. And then, you know, for all of you who don't like Jabril Peppers because he's a liability in coverage, I'm going to need you to name three, just three safeties in the NFL today that are not a liability in coverage when they have to cover a top wide receiver. But here's wide receivers. Yeah. But here's what Jabril Peppers does well. And I'm not comparing him to Jamal Adams, but he can blitz. And what he showed you yesterday, he blitzed, he got chopped down at the legs, got up, tracked the quarterback down, big sack, right? Mm -hmm. This defense across the board, they played as good as I've seen them. Now, you can tell me it was a bad team. Well, they did what they were supposed to be. If they're as good as they want to be, then they should have kept Carolina from scoring. They're not a bad team, Carolina. They're just not an elite team. Okay? There's a difference. They're not a bad team. They're not an elite team. They won three games right. to start the season against some inferior competition. When they stepped up in class, they lost. But they were still 3-3. Three and three. The Rams are an elite team. Okay? We know that. The mm-hmm. Bills are an elite team. The Titans are an elite. We know who the elite team the the right. Bucks are an elite team. The Bills are an elite team. But then there's these there's these middle of the pack teams that have to get better in route to trying to be elite. Okay, so the Giants beat a middle of the pack team. They lost to in the middle of the pack team with the Falcons. They yep. pissed one away against Washington. But you know, like, how about this? Let's give the Giant coaching staff some credit. Bernardrick McKinney signed this week. Elevated to the roster. He had a really good game. Well, the dude started 77 of 80 games for Houston. Legitimate yeah. player. Dante Pettis, elevated from the practice squad, gets a gets a gets a jersey, makes plays. Um, you don't make apologies for one. And by the way, and I am not creating any false hope for Giants fans, but I'm just gonna spell out the facts, just like. It's not who you play. It's when you play them. Like 2011, everybody looked at their schedule and said, oh, crap, we got to play the Colts and Peyton Manning. And then Peyton Manning was out for the year. And suddenly they were playing the Colts without Peyton Manning. Look, last year at this time, the Giants were eliminated from the playoffs before Halloween. And then they uneliminated themselves because they started winning some games and the division fell to crap. Right now, 
they're two and five. And I'm not trying to create false hope like this is a playoff team. What I'm trying to say is just let it play out because they got their second win. You don't know if that you don't know if Dak Prescott's calf is really fine or not. What happens if he gets hurt and Zach Thomas gets hurt or Zach Martin gets hurt or whatever? And there's other injuries. You could find yourself back in the middle of a division race with a below 500 record. Like just let it play out. You're going to play the Chiefs this week. Quarterbacks banged up. They can't stop anybody. There's a good chance we're going to get see Sterling Shepard back on the field. I don't know about Barkley or Galladay or whatever. Like, just let it play out. Let's not write the Giants for dead yet. And I'm not saying that they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying enjoy the ride. Enjoy the process. Enjoy what you just said of enjoy the win yesterday, Sunday, against a not great Carolina team. But part of the reason why Carolina is not great is because the Giants made them look bad. Darnold wasn't benched in any other game this year. He got benched because the Giants made him look like crap. And that is, and that is, you know, I've said this for two straight weeks that the Giants' biggest opponent is themselves. And when they stop hurting themselves, they give them a better chance to win and they make it harder for teams to beat them. Well, we know that they did enough defensively to carry an offense that was sputtering a bit. And the offense came up with the plays that they needed to make to win the football game. Folks, do not write the season off with 10 games left. How do you do that? That, I call that mental self-mutilation that you're just, you're stuck in a cycle of negativity that you're willing to throw away 10 games and you don't know what the future holds. Like your team has had some key players injured, right? Those players are going to come back. We don't know the health of what their opponents are going to be, but we do know for sure they're going to have to deal with injuries too because every team in the league has had to deal with them. The Giants found a way to win the football game. That should be the number one thing you're concerned with. You shouldn't be concerned with who stays or goes on the roster, who stays or goes in the front office, who stays or goes on the coaching staff. That'll take care of itself as a function of the win-losses. Like, there are people, and I'm not advocating for – for Dave Gettleman, but there are people that want him fired before the season's over with because they don't want to see him have any success if this team is winning. Well, whether those players go on to have success next year and he's not here, there's still players that he's selected, right? And now I'm going to leave it at that. But all I'm going to say is, it's mutually beneficial when everyone does well because you can have your faith renewed in some of these processes that you are bemoaning right now. You can have your confidence renewed in some of the players who have 
made a lot of money in free agency that are now starting to live up to those contracts. That's what this is about. If a guy, if you're going to complain about a guy not producing and all of a sudden he starts producing, but you don't want him to, what good is your fandom? Because you've just basically um, given fandom away to negativity. And now you're not happy unless you're miserable. And that's not really what fandom is about. That's about a losing mentality. Now, I do not uh, chastise any fan for being upset when their team loses or upset when their favorite players are not doing what they should. But when they do, take a moment and find your happy place. Your happy place when they do well. That's the balance of yeah, fandom. Root. Yeah, don't root for one and one and sixteen or whatever. We get a better draft pick, and then ensures Gettleman's going to be gone. Look, Gettleman's in the last year of his contract. Who knows what's going to happen with him at the end of the year? But here's uh, I did something with David Deal and Paul Dottino the other night for Investors Bank and the Legacy Club. I got to ask a very pointed question. I gave a very honest answer. This is a non-giant sanctioned podcast. This is me and you. This is our own endeavor. We are not saddled by doing stuff for the Giants. We're doing this on our own. So someone asked me about John Mara and the Giants and, you know, are they a valuable franchise? Sure. Do they have a rich tradition? Sure. Did they co-own a do they co-own a stadium with the jets sure are they making more money than they probably ever imagined no doubt but like i read this stuff about fans saying you know like john mara's clueless john mara doesn't care <clears throat> folks you are we are allowed within the facility free run and what we do to do our jobs. And if you don't think that the Mara family and the Tish family, but the Mara family, because they've been doing this since 1925, if you don't think that they care, you're clueless. And all the stuff I see on Twitter, on these little websites, uh, these chat things, John Mara doesn't care, you know, blah, 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 blah. He cares. He cares more than you think he cares. And he cares more than most fans care. Um, he's out of practice every day. Carl, you played for the team and you saw Wellington Mara every day of your career. It yep. could be raining, snowing, a thousand degrees, sleeting. He'd be out on that field. And John Mara is out there every single watching every snap of every practice unless he's out of town on league business. They don't have any other business that occupies them. He cares. We see him. He doesn't sit in an owner's suite for home games. He sits in the press box in a booth with giant personnel, front office personnel. He cares. He feels your pain. He lived through the 60s and 70s because this is like the 70s all over again. Mm -hmm. He cares. Now, I'm not saying that he's get, he's gotten it all right, but this notion that they don't care is is a ridiculous. And I am giving you legitimate firsthand experience, and you can as well. 
he he cares more than most owners in the NFL, if not all owners. The Maras, the Roonies, where football is their only business, they care on a different level. It's personal for them. It is. And to that I'm point. I'm not saying he's gotten it right, but he cares. Go ahead. Right. So to that point, halftime, I'm walking back from the um, the, the cafeteria in the press box. And there's John, he's walking. And I don't want to say anything to him. And he looks at me. He said, this fucking game is so winnable. We got to get out of our own way. That sounded more like a fan than an owner. And he was winning 5-3. Yeah. Yeah. So, But folks, it should have been about 20-3. to three. The game was played on a tilted field. Yeah. And contrary to whatever the narrative is about this family, this is a football family. They are invested in this team. Not for, obviously they own the team to make money, but they own the team for the, the pure football of it. Like this is what they do. And to your point, Bob, they don't always get it right, but they do not take one of these, ah, screw it, we're good. Oh, we made our money this year. Uh, we got our, our one, mm. one 32nd of a share oh. of the billions that come in. That's not how they roll. Like he will hold you to the fire, but he's also a sober-minded owner in terms of he'll get the facts He'll admit when he's wrong, uh, but he gets tired of losing as much as you as fans. He wants to get it right. And he's um, there every day at practice watching yes. every single snap, how they're coaching, how they're who's hustling. Like he's there every day. Yeah. So and he eats lunch in have, the cafeteria with everybody else. Yeah. How many times have we seen John Mara? And I don't want to turn this into a John Mara podcast. But how many times have we seen John Mara when pre-COVID when we were in there and everybody was in there? He'll sit down. He's got his sandwich or a soup or a salad, whatever. Sits down for lunch. There's all the players around. And he'll sit down at a table with our guy, Tal, who's mm -hmm. the guy that cleans the dishes, who's on his break. Yeah. Like, he's not big time at anybody. And he doesn't skip the line. He waits in no, line. He will not the... skip the line. Right. But I mean, if you're waiting on line for a sandwich, and he walks in and there'll be the younger employees in that work in the front office in marketing or other. Oh, no, no, no. Mr. Mary goes, no, no, no. Your turn. I'll wait. Yeah. So all of that being said is to say that this ownership, both sides of it are in yeah. it just like you are. I'm staying they in the are... Lowe's hotel in Atlanta. There you go. That's my favorite hotel, by the way. But um, oh, that's awesome. They are as invested and emotionally invested in every win and every loss as you guys are. They want hope. They want a reason to feel great about this team. Um, so, but they've been along around long enough to know that. Things can change. 
during the course of a year, just like they've had a rash of injuries, those things balance out. And what they look at is while they're going through their valley, and I'm just talking this year, how are they being coached? How are the other players stepping up to give them a chance to win? Because they evaluate coaches, they evaluate players because they're paying all of them. Um, but they want to know how guys like Dante Pettis is stepping up, um, guys they elevate from the practice squad because there's someone in personnel who says, we need this guy, we don't have room for him on the roster, but if we have an injury, here's a guy that can step up. Um, that's that. So Giants fans, do not be wrapped in a blanket of negativity for the sake of being negative. Take this day, take this week to believe in the possibilities. Think about, if not for the team, but for the players that are stepping up in making it possible for them to be the bad team. And if they, and, and I'll say this for the record, if they play like they played offensively on Monday night, they won't win that game. Defensively, if they continue to build on what they're doing, they're going to have a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they got to be better offensively. Offensively, they have to be better. Now, there were some things to be, there were some things that you could see and say, well, I can see how it happens. Offensive linemen who, you know, it's like the third, third team guy, but mental mistakes by a guy like Pert, who's downfield on a big play, shouldn't happen. He's got to be better at that. And the coach addressed that. They had two of those penalties. Um, illegal formation, covering up a tackle, shouldn't happen. Those are the little things. Because when you have a, let's just say, first and 10 incomplete pass, that should be that right? It shouldn't be second and 15 after an right. incomplete pass. <laughs> right. right. False start or legal shift, whatever. Right. It should be second and 10. Every time you make one of those mistakes and you make it uh, a larger deficit on the next down, it lessens your chances for success on that drive. So these are things they've got to figure out because Clean drives normally result in points because when Daniel Jones can hit a 12-yarder, if he can hit a 15-yarder, then they crack a 10-yard run, all of a sudden, that's about 35 yards, right? You're cross midfield, a couple more plays, you're kicking a field goal, or you're scoring. Um, another good thing, they were able to get the ball in the end zone, though they should have done it earlier, they had four tries from the one yard line and they didn't get it done. That's got to be better. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Jason Garrett, considering what he was working with, and this Pettis out there, this Colin Johnson out there, there's a vast array. Sills is out there, which, by the way, you know, I know all the fans were freaking out that Sills didn't make the final 53. And then he comes in. And his first chance ball goes right through his hands. Like, mm -hmm. dude, not for long. NFL stands for not for long. Catch the friggin' ball. I thought Jason Garrett had a good game. I thought 
a lot of the, a lot of things he dialed up were really creative. Uh, I loved um, the little option that they ran because they had shown yeah. Daniel Jones running. Then mm-hmm. they had an option to Booker. I love that. I love Dan. You know, everyone talks about the Daniel Jones catch. I'm gonna get the camera angle right. Everyone talks about the Daniel Jones catch, but it was the play before that. It was what was it, third and 12, and he kind of scrambles out. He's looking, 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 eyes downfield, looks like he's going to run, doesn't run, then just flips it to Booker. They get the first down, which kind of kept the drive going. The only thing I didn't like, Carl, I got to be honest with you, when they had the ball in there in the tight red zone, to me, Slayton or one of your receivers, Slayton at this point as far as healthy, um, I don't know. they, They went heavy personnel a ton. And uh, tried to get Ingram out there, chinned it and bite on it or whatever. Yeah. To me, I thought that I thought, but you know, that I wasn't crazy about some of their in their their deep red zone when they took all the receivers out and they went heavy personal. Yeah. They can't block that good. They can't. They don't have Zach Martin at right guard. Will Hernandez is not that. They don't have nobody on on their offensive line. That's going to just blow through somebody. Our our buddy on, uh, what is it? Big blue VCR or whatever. Yeah. um, He put a video up today of Sims and the Giants in 79 winning in Kansas City. And our guy BT, Billy Taylor, the BT Express plowing Mm -hmm. off the left side. We got nobody that they they can't run block like that. So I, that that was the one thing I was bitching about a little bit. I didn't like that. But other than that, well, I thought Garrett did a good job. Listen, um, I've had this confidence and then lack thereof and then confidence again in Jason Garrett. I think the best thing to come from the injuries at the skill position is that it has forced Jason Garrett to put a few crayons back in the box. And if you just got to color with the primary colors <clears throat> to get you it love done. That line. That's a great, yeah, I mean, it's a great line. I use it. I use it in other things too. Now when guys are trying creative shots in golf or whatever, I kind of quote Carl Banks. I'm like, don't try to be Phil Mickelson. Keep some crayons in the box and make a simple pitch shot here. Yeah. I mean, that is what he has been forced to do is to go back into the playbook and say, okay, I got three healthy tight ends. I got one, two speed receivers. Um, I don't have the route runner of Kadarius Tony, but I can do some things here. Let me see how I can best use these guys. Let me get the best 10 plays, 15 plays and build off of that instead of having the best 35 plays and building off of that where it becomes an endless cycle of, of not repeating positive plays. And the fact that Sunday was National Tight End Day, an NFL holiday that I didn't know about, uh, he made very good use of Ingram. He had a positive impact on the game. Kyle Rudolph, who knew he could still catch and run with a football? Because if you were to just follow social media, he was washed up and a waste of money. Um, But we didn't know that because they never used him. So now he can now become a weapon in this offense, even when they get other guys back 
there are some bread and butter plays and bread and butter players that you can count on to keep the chains moving. And that's what they have to do until they get their full array of players back is to build around the personnel. And even if it's blue collar and you can execute it well, that's all that matters. It's sometimes it's not like having to out trick your opponent. It's about out executing your opponent. And, you know, what the Giants did defensively, they lined up, they moved the safeties a little bit, but it wasn't a lot of trickery, right? They lined up into something they could play. The team that they went against knew they could, they knew what they were in and still couldn't beat it. That is the essence of, of real football strategy, being good at what you do. Um, you know why they call it the Tampa 2? Because Tony Dungy lined up in it the majority of a game. And they just executed the hell out of it. And one of the most refreshing things I saw is, I don't know if they were in a two or four coverage. And Sam Donald had a, uh, a receiver in the intermediate. And Logan Ryan broke. He saw the quarterback's eyes. He saw the quarterback release the ball. He drove on the football, broke it up. That's because he could see it. He wasn't mm -hmm. in man coverage and guys running around on crossing routes. They were passing them off, seeing the quarterback and breaking with good leverage on the football. That's good football. And then I'm listening to, uh, I don't know if it was Dan Orlovsky, who I like listening to, uh, talked about, Patrick Mahomes is struggling with some cover two because teams hadn't played a lot of cover two on them because defensive coordinators thought they had to match up and play cover one and eliminate the best players. Sometimes simplicity is the best thing when you're outmatched in certain areas and you can't match up against every skill position. Put your defense in something that everybody can play and drill the hell out of it because you know once once you got a defense in something, let's say it's going to be cover two most of the game, you pretty much know what the cover two beaters are. Mm -hmm. Now you drill your guys on how to look for those cover two beaters, how to change a cover two into a matchup cover two or a three or a four, and it becomes a match zone. So it can morph into something else, but the one thing you know, they're going to see everything in front of them. You're not going to get a wide receiver running across the field in a safety playing man-to-man on it. You're going to be able to pass those things off, and guys are going to know what to look for. They'll have the right discipline. So my hat is off to Coach Patrick Graham and his staff uh, and the players for the effort and the commitment that they had to executing the defense call. And sometimes, like I said, the right call might not be the best call, you know, for the personnel. You put sure. them in the things that they do best and let them play. And, you know, I played one, two, cover three, cover five, all types of hybrid stuff. But when all hell was breaking loose, there was a check to either cover two or cover four, and we got everybody in front. If there was a matchup we didn't see, we had a safety that would check us out of it, and we knew exactly how to play it. So that's what is going to be important for the Giants going forward.
not getting too cute, not thinking you got to match every look with a different defense. And then if you have your guys up front, Leo and Leonard and um, Dex and uh, Ojolari and, and, and Carter played a good game, you can get things done. And if you can play the run, which they showed after that first series that they could do a pretty good job of that, um, you're going to be fine defensively. You're going to make it hard to score on. I thought Jason Garrett called a pretty good game. Um, like, again, we go back to that tight red zone. I wasn't crazy about that. But, you know, it kind of also gets back to it's it's less about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmins and the Joes. I mean, yep. you got this makeshift offensive line. You're dialing, you're, you're, you're dialing up stuff. You're trying to call stuff. And, you know, like, to me, what was – which is why the game was 5-3 at the half, even though the field was tilted the whole game and the Giants were constantly, but then they would hit that glass ceiling, you know, false start, illegal shift, negative play, dumb play, and then, you know, you're back and now you're punting. But it's like they got a screen set up and they got blockers out in front of it. And Parrot, all he's got to do, he's got to block the safety. Yeah, weighs him by a hundred pounds. And the throw leads Booker in this direction, and Jeremy Chin makes the play. Like, dude, that thing was set up to go 20 yards, if not take it to the house. Now, yeah. to sake one, maybe it's taken to the house. Booker, you hope you get 20 out of it and you call it a day. And you know, they got nothing. But you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to guys like executing better. Like, and yeah, that's their and, biggest problem offensively, man, is they, they got to play better. And, and the fans bitching at my timeline car was filled with, oh, third and long, another screen to the tight end or a little five yard route to the tight end. Hey, dude, guess what? Do you know what you got on your offensive line? Do you know how banged up you are? Do you know you're not necessarily trusting your left tackle or your right tackle, especially right. in the first half of the game? Yeah. You're throwing short passes on a third and 12 to Evan Ingram and hoping that he's going to crease somebody and break a tackle. And you, you like the way your defense is playing. You'll punt. You drop Daniel Jones back on a, a seven step drop. And there's a better than likely chance. He's going to get sacked and maybe yeah. a forced fumble. They were calling plays. We got to, how do you not throw it to the sticks? Well, it's third and 17, dude. Yeah. Like yeah, likelihood of success there is, yeah. It's not fantasy football. <clears throat> it's not strato magic for you older dudes. It's not any. It's not a video game. It's not Madden. Like they were coaching around their team, and guess what? Let's throw a six-yard pass to Evan Ingram. Hopefully, he makes a guy miss, or hopefully, Slayton on a little in cut makes somebody miss, and they break some tackles. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Got better players. Hmm. How'd they convert that third and long against the Saints? They threw a five-yard hitch to Kadarius Tony. And then because he's a gifted athlete, he made eight people miss and he got the first down. Right. Playing it, around it, their offensive line. So right. stop with they, the question, the play calling. Stupid. Right. And the thing is, Matt Pert, it's like blocking a, a blocking sled. You get a guy that's 100 pounds lighter than you, you latch on and you just drive your feet. 
The back will do the rest. You just got to get this guy out of the way and you're off to the races. You ain't got to hold him. You ain't got to grab him. One big thud puts him on his butt. You just can't be passive on a screen pass. You got to go out and push a guy out of the way. You see it all the time. All they need is just a little room to get started. That's all they need. Give him a chance and he'll get the rest. Fans, you got to stop. I mean, it's, it's, it's too much, man. You got to, these guys are coaching around their team. Like in 2015, everyone's like, oh, Coughlin really lost his touch. Coughlin, this call. No, Coughlin was going for touchdowns instead of trying to kick field goals at the end of those games when the Giants set an NFL record for the most blown leads with two minutes to go in the game. Yeah. And they set an NFL record for the most leads given up with less than a minute to go in the game. Well, Coughlin should have run it there and used more clock. He knew his defense couldn't stop anybody. They had guys playing on that. So he was trying to score touchdowns to make it a two score game and put the game out of reach. And he was putting it in his best player's hands. Did it work out for him? No. Did it cost him his job eventually for his retirement? Whatever. Um, but listen, they're, they're, Jason Garrett was calling the game because he knew what he was dealing with. And here's another very important uh, point when we talk about complimentary football. That's why you can't minimize the job that the Giants defense did because they knew the job going into the game would be to keep the offense in great field position. Get off the field on third downs, force punts. Don't let teams drive all the way down the field before you stand up and stop them. Get some, give your offense some breathing room. It'll give you an opportunity to have Grand Canole kick a few field goals, 50-something yarder, 40-something yarder. You know, now you, all you're doing is <clears throat> you're saying, okay, here are our strengths. Defense, we like you in this game. Graham, we like you in this game. So you may have to hit a few long ones, but our defense is going to give us a chance if we can get a, a first down or two, we're going to be able to get something on the board. And that's what you have to do when you have a rash of injuries. You've got to coach around what you have available to you. And winning and losing is a team effort in a team accomplishment or a team failure. And they did it collectively. The defense did their job. They gave the offense enough opportunities um, to put points on the board. And eventually they uncorked it and was able to put in, increase their lead. All right. We'll do a, we'll do a preview of the chiefs later in the week. Uh, can I just tell you the one thing, Carl, that is bothering me a little bit right now? And I don't like it because I'm starting to see a little bit of a trend of this. And, I'm, I, and I guarantee if Joe Judge was on this podcast, would love to have him on, understand why he's not on. Hmm. <clears throat> he's got an outstanding special teams coordinator in, in Thomas McGahee. And Tom Quinn's his assistant. And Tom was mm -hmm. the coordinator when the Giants won their last Super I don't like the fact that we're getting a bunch of penalties on special teams. They're getting a bunch of penalties on special yeah. block in the back hold bum, by guys that are on this roster for one reason. Yeah. Cause they're special teams players that to me 
is inexcusable. Like, you know, they went out and they made these moves for special teams guys. And I understand the importance of it, mm-hmm. but it feels like every week, man, there are some penalties popping up on special teams against the giants. They're not good enough. No, have the ball at the plus 38 or the plus four or not the plus their own 38, their own 41. And then suddenly 10 yards are coming off it because there's an illegal block in the back or a hold. And there were a couple that punter for the Panthers stinks. And the guy before him was bad, too. They got punting issues. Winslow's not a good punter there. He hit a couple of punts in that game on Sunday. That were eminently returnable. And some of the guys that have a jersey on this team that were supposed to block gunners did a crappy job. And yeah. suddenly, what should have been a 15 or 20 yard return turned into like a six yard return. And then that was it. And half the time, there was a penalty that they have to improve upon. That's well, my again, final rant for the night. Right. And, and as they go up in weight class, in order to make a, a better team, make it hard for a better team to beat you, you eliminate those mistakes. Now, I will say, and he he's doing it quietly, but a guy who is really showing up every week on special teams is Cam Brown. Cam Brown yes. is a gunner, a linebacker now. He's a gunner. Uh, he's doing a lot of good things on special teams. So that's one when folks say, well, whatever happened to, to Cam Brown, he was a late round draft choice, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's making a contribution. He's one of their better special teams players. But again, offensive, self-imposed uh, mistakes, special teams, self-imposed mistakes. Eliminate half of those in a game and your defense plays the way it's playing you're going to make it hard for teams to beat you and you're going to have an opportunity to win games because you got a good kicker as well. You got anything else to get off your chest? You got anything That's you it, want to man. promote? You got anything you want to sell? You got any new apparel coming nah, out? No, man, fans? I'm just right now. It's all about giants, your fandom, the emotional roller coaster, and finding your happy place. When your team wins, find a happy place because it's just too easy to stay in the negative and they win despite the fact that you want them to lose when you say you don't because you bitch about it every time they do. Um, but then when they win, it's like, ah, why don't they win? I want them to lose more games so we can get a better draft pick. You'll have time to talk about the draft later on. Let's, you got 10 games to go. Get behind this team. Yes, be critical when it's, in, when it's warranted, but when they do well, celebrate that celebrate that they appreciate it uh ultimately your soul appreciates it because you find a happy place yeah seriously and go to pro football reference or nfl.com look at the draft tracker and look at all the teams that have blown high first round draft picks it's not and i'm not excusing it but this whole thing of like being a fan and oh my god we're ruining our draft pick like no because guess what? Through the Patriots forever pick way late and they won consistently. Yeah. The Steelers, when the Giants were good and they were going to Super Bowls and winning 10 and 11 games in a year, they picked late, but they picked good players. So stop yeah, this about a high pick. Yeah, and, and just root the, the 
the immediate task is to root for today. Now is it the future will take care of itself. Whatever happens now will dictate the future anyway. Yeah. Listen, and just find a way to beat Kansas city next week. And you know yeah. what? Just stack another win. And then who knows what's going to happen? Um, listen, yeah. fans head to the, uh, bet online website or your mobile device sign up today 50 percent off welcome bonus on your first deposit use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-v you receive your bonus but football basketball boxing your favorite vegas casino game don't wait take advantage of this amazing offer it's available for the 2021 season bet online fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite teams what are you sipping by the way tonight dude what do you I'm got? drinking my green minerals, gold thread. Oh, I thought you had something let in me, a glass. Let, that might have been nice. It is nice. Let me tell you what's in this. I, I got, got nettle leaf, cat straw, alfalfa leaf, horsetail leaf, red clover blossom, leaf. raspberry leaf, rose hips, lemongrass, linden leaf, and liquid chlorophyll, which is spirulina. And uh, it's pretty good. I'm wow. getting my blue screen, but yeah. They don't sell that at Hylon. Go thread. There you go. Green minerals. It's really All good. Right. Well, I got a club soda and lime. Okay. But I may need something stronger if fans club keep Club soda and libation. If no, no libation. It no, it's a Monday. It's a Monday. We got a long day of golf tomorrow. Um, listen, again, we're trying to shoot it, shoot it to you straight. We're trying to keep it real. We're trying to give you perspective. Uh, again, we're not speaking on a Giants platform. We're giving you our honest feeling. If you listen to the games on radio, you know that we we cut right to the chase of what's going on. And as Carl said, enjoy the process. So, Carl, when we end every podcast, what do you say? Tell a friend to tell a friend and tell a fan to tell a fan because I speak to you on this one, fans. There you have it. Carl Banks, we'll, we'll be back later in the week. We'll preview the Chiefs game. That's a Monday night game, so we've got a little time before that. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Believe in Giants. Enjoy, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 